Maybe don't know. Maybe don't know. This time, 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 What's up, everybody? I am your host, Chris Hampton. Welcome to episode 70 of the Power Company podcast. Uh, It's almost our two-year birthday. Uh, Just a couple of days, actually, will be two years that we put out our first official episode, not counting the little short intro that everyone has to do to get their podcast on iTunes. Our first real episode, which is with Carlo Traversi, way back when. Uh, two years ago, to be exact. And uh, that seems insane to me that we've done 70 episodes of this thing. And I've still got 30 or so interviews sitting and waiting to go out. Um, Some that I really want to get out, but if I put them out at the pace that I want to, I'll go through all 30 in the next month, and that'll be no good for the podcast. You guys will be stoked. Won't be so good for me. Um, Anyway... I don't have a whole lot to say. I'm trying to take it easy this uh, this winter. We're not traveling a bunch. I'm going to be hanging out here in Lander. I'm going to be training um, and getting myself back into the shape I want to be in. And I'll be detailing that on a patron-only podcast, the We Scream Like Eagles podcast, that you can get if you become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. And that's at patreon.com slash power company podcast um i'll be detailing that every couple weeks what my training is what my progress is if i'm falling off the wagon and i'm a dismal failure who knows that could happen um however with your accountability i don't think it's going to um so that's all i got today um new stuff coming next year though so look out for that uh today we've got our first route setter on the podcast. And um, this is something I hope to explore more in the future because I think route setters obviously play a really, really important role in in our training, uh, especially if you train in a commercial gym. And if you are a route setter, uh, it's tough to find the time and the energy to train yourself. Um, So, I talked with today's guest, Nate and I sat down with him in St. Louis, uh, Jonathan Brandt, who is the head setter at Climb Nashville. He was in St. Louis setting for the So Ill Showdown, which I emcee every year. And um, we had a really great conversation. Um, And he also wanted me to let you guys know that Climb Nashville has two gyms opening in this next year. Um, one in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. How do you say that? Murfreesboro? Murfreesboro? I don't know. I don't have a Tennessee accent, so I'm probably not saying it correctly. And one in Bentonville, Arkansas. And uh, he's going to be hiring route setters. So any of you out there who want to start a career, you want to change in your career, you want to move to Tennessee or Arkansas, or if you're already there... Jonathan is going to be hiring route setters, and you can get him at Jonathan at ClimbNashville.com, and that's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N at ClimbNashville.com. And I'll have a link to that in the show notes, whether you're on your phone or on your computer, you can go look at the blog, whatever. I'll have a link there. And um, the Climb Nashville's got a really cool comp every year, and if you haven't seen their videos for their comp, Uh, It's called the Hotter Than Chicken Bouldering Competition. You should definitely go check those videos out. I'll have those in the show notes too. Um, It's a a comp in which you eat Nashville's signature hot chicken in order to multiply your bouldering score, which I think is amazingly fun and... If you have fingers of steel and a stomach of steel, it's the comp for you. They've got a big cash purse, so you might be interested in heading out to Climb Nashville next year in July for that comp. Um, Anyway, I'm rambling. 
I'm just excited that we're almost two years into this thing, and this is episode 70 with Jonathan Brandt. Second, you stop being receptive to feedback, or you see yourself as too good to receive it, or maybe you think, oh man, I've, I've got all the tools I need. You're not evolving as a setter, and that's the same kind of ego and route setting that you see in rock climbing that nobody likes seeing around. Or just got comfortable, you know, like I was actually like, like jumping across volumes and stuff. Uh-huh. I don't know. I'm always like kind of a bit sour about that kind of style. <laughs> this does not help my climbing. I don't need it. And then in there when I was just like, oh, this is all I came for. I came to just like do the shenanigan, one, two, yep. dino, flip, boomerang moves. Like, yep. and then because that's all I wanted to do, I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. Yeah. You like, go in expecting that and there's so much of it. It's just, it's fun. Were you solo or do you have a- It was just me. Nice. Yeah. Oh, that was cool. But yeah, I could totally see how that would be a rough place to like have as your full-time gym. Yeah. Let's just let's just start there cuz cool, you know, that's where we're going to start. First off, we're outside and so you guys are going to hear the wind and the birds and all the cool outside stuff. We thought we'd come out here because Jonathan's normal um environment is indoors. So we had to get you a little sun. You're looking a little pale. I appreciate that. I am pale. See-through <laughs> almost at this point. Yeah, transparent. But um, Nate was just talking about that World Cup comp style setting. You know, talk to me a little bit about your opinions on that since you're an outdoor climber as well. Oh, yeah, man. Ooh, that's a loaded question, really. <laughs> you know, as a, as a route setter, I'm pretty plugged into the trends on social media or in gyms or in comps and it's hard because <clears throat> so many people these days grow up climbing and competing solely in gyms and they don't ever climb outside yep and it almost on one level seems like climbing is becoming this parkour style world cup boulder setting thing that's fun to watch um but as an avid real rock real rock rock climber <laughs> real rock uh, rock climber yeah um <laughs> it's important for me to kind of maintain the kind of setting that or the kind of climbing setting the climbing that i really enjoy doing as well that maintains fitness and strength and yeah as a as the head route setter at a couple of gyms in nashville i have to cater to both kinds of clients which mm-hmm. is hard and certainly i'm not very good at that world cup style but it's fun as hell to try to set and to climb yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. sure. Do you ever set routes that are somewhat that style? I'm just yeah, curious. I try sometimes. Yeah. It's a little bit different, you know? It's one thing to step off the ground into a move that you've kind of created in this World Cup compy style. It's right. another thing to climb into and out of it. Halfway up a route, yeah. you just run and jump off a bunch of volumes. And then, you know, you had to add some sort of fear factor when, you, when you're creating ledge falls on cross running jumps and uh, yeah. things of that nature. So yeah. every once in a while, I'll do some fun stuff, but not too much of the time. People can't really handle that 30 feet up in the air. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think that in the gym setting, route climbers can be a little bit more picky than boulders and you start throwing too much of that on the walls you hear about it oh yeah i'm sure Uh uh-huh yeah i was just talking with chris earlier um because i've set off and on since 2005 um and it's still like i don't know it's fun to just pick up every now and then like go do some part-time work but we were just talking about uh some of my favorite comments that i've seen in comment boxes (laughs) do you have any uh favorites (laughs) oh man uh, there's, there's the standard ones, too hard, too reachy, mm-hmm. things of that nature. Um, it's all too reachy. Oh, always. Um, every once in a while you'll get somebody sharing a comment like, I consistently climb 512 outside and I can't climb 59 in the gym. It's, it's a little extreme, <laughs> but you know, maybe we're doing something wrong. That's sort but. of what happens to me when I go in the gym though. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, then you get comments that are like, these are too compy, but then you get the other comment that says, we want more compy. Not compy More enough. dinos. You know, you can't make yeah. everybody happy. Oh, for, yeah. I heard recently, some, maybe online on a Facebook page or something, somebody's goal is to make 80% of the climbs, 80% of the clients happy about 80% of the climbs you set. 
Did I say that right? 80% of the client's happy about 80% of the climbs that you set. Then you've done a good job. With 80% or with 80 climbs, you've managed to please Is that too much math? People? That's too many numbers, I'm not a dude. math guy. Yeah. Uh, you, Me neither. Maybe just we'll say majority. Eventually, we want to make everybody happy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just not every climb. Not possible, though, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's almost a better way to go is to kind of say, okay, like this climb, you know, maybe three out of five people aren't going to like it, but two out of five are going to love it. But then you're still going to cover those three out of five with other climbs. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. Um, Cause yeah, if you try and make everyone happy, then that's just not possible, especially with root setting. Oh, yeah. Man. And yeah. if you could just turn it to outdoor climbing, that would be better. I would appreciate that. It. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get there. You we know, need retractable domes and problems that just become real boulder problems. Bad conditions. Yeah. I don't want those. I want outdoor climbing with perfect conditions. Spaniards that visit non-site everything. And change everything. the holds when I need to. I'm from the south, man. I don't think. I might give you 30 <laughs> days a year for that. That's about it. But I have kind of determined that at the root of the majority of comments that come through my comment box is it's all grade related. Um, yeah, I believe that. You know, how do you guys rate in your gym? So we use the we use the V scale for boulders and okay. the Yosemite Decimal System for routes. Yep. You yep. know, I like it. I think it tracks progression well. And the challenge with it is is an authentic grading system that we use on real rock so people draw comparisons. And right. whenever I have conversations, I try and encourage climbers to use it as a guide. Yeah, it's totally. not concrete. Um, but in our smaller bouldering facility, we actually six months ago, took all grades off the wall. Um, what I was noticing was you got Joe Schmo number one trying this V8 boulder that might be easy until like the last move that makes it V8. They go over here for a second and try this V3 they can't do. It's kind of comfy or funny. Then they go back to the V8 because it's got a higher number on it. They want the points. And I didn't like how that was kind of destroying a sense of community in a way. Nobody was sessioning together and they weren't right, climbing right. on the boulders or the climbs because they were fun. They were chasing numbers. You know, standard climber stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm guilty of it myself. Sure. So we All got rid of up. grades and oh, it's been awesome. We tried it on a little section of the wall in the gym just to sample it. And we had such a unanimously positive response. We wiped them out across the gym and people are psyched. They session together. That's cool. They don't care about the grades anymore. We do provide a little like guide they can use if they want to check on it um but ooh, it's been really good yeah i think uh, so ill was just moving to something like that in their route area and i was going to ask what you thought of it so yeah that's a cool really cool idea and i hadn't thought of the community aspect of it you know, yeah i think that's been, cool have people session together again it's been really rewarding for people in that way you know there is a little bit negative feedback mostly in form of it's harder to warm up um, right, you can't right. find easy climbs but yeah, that's not that big of a deal. You look for the jugs or yeah. the easier holes. Yeah, and you can I mean, usually pick out what's easier. And you get better at picking out yeah. what the grades are or how difficult it looks to you. You know, mm -hmm. We had a comp last week, and we put the grades back on for the comp based on how we formatted it. And multiple members told me, well, take the grades back down. <laughs> I don't like the grades being up. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we sandbagged them a little bit too for the comp. But <laughs> Yeah, maybe that's another thing. It's it's easier on people's egos to not be failing on a V3 so they can just convince themselves it's actually V7. Totally. And I've had many climbers climbing V3 or 5 or whatever saying they're now trying harder things because they're not scared yeah. of the number attached to it. Totally. That's great. I like that. Also, it, if you look at it on the other side too, like going in and just saying, oh, like this looks challenging to me. Like I know I definitely have an ego attached to... If I look at something that I feel like the number's really low, but I look, it looks like I'm going to flail on it, I may go to something that's a little bit harder. Oh, I'll okay. definitely go to something that if looks If I'm going to fall, I'm just going to fall oh, on something with a big we're number. All, we're if, all I'm, if I'm going to flail, yeah. it's going to be on something with double digits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> For sure. Something nobody else can work on or is working on. Yeah, totally. Maybe take my shirt off too to make it look extra hard. <laughs> yeah. Wait, John Gill put this up before I was born and it gets V2. Yeah, no. Um, next. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, sure. so... the that's kind of cool that you can just look around and be like, oh, that looks challenging and just climb on it versus, you know, if it only had maybe V3 on it, I would just be like, oh, that looks uh -huh. fucked. Yeah. <laughs> it's especially good for the funky, like the World Cup boulders we were talking about, right? Yeah. Mm. it's Those are the boulders that are fun to session with people and do funny things because everybody oh, yeah. has more of a fair chance. At, yeah, and you can get creative and yeah. 
could just be fun and silly on Definitely. those boulders. Yeah, that's cool. I like that idea. So tell me a little bit about your your kind of setting background. How did you get into it, and you know, how did you how to come about? Yeah, so I started setting. I went to University of Georgia, two thousand five for route setting. For yeah, uh, <laughs> major in route setting, a minor in uh, sandbagging, or I don't know <laughs> something. You know, um, in reach. No, I went to school for forestry. And I remember getting sucked into the climbing gym. I followed a girl to the climbing wall and uh, she never went back, but I never <laughs> left. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you went there every day hoping she'd show back up. I remember my friends coming in that I had met rolling in and like flashing their belay certification card. They're like, we're belay certified. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what that means, but I want it. And yeah, I went down there and this small little bouldering wall, some of the best times of my life and college buzz, just learning how to rock climb. Yeah. And started just messing around with route setting there, nothing serious. And then active climbing was the first climbing gym in Athens, Georgia, and kind of helped that get going as far as setting goes a little bit. But it wasn't until I graduated and moved back to Atlanta in 2010, Stone Summit, the first Stone Summit Atlanta location opened up, which at that time was maybe the biggest gym in the country. Yeah, I think so. And I was one of the first route setters there. And Kind of, I was route setting part-time, working the desk part-time, coaching kids part-time, and mostly trying to figure out what the heck I wanted to do in my life. You know, lots of pressure from my parents yeah, to... we're all still trying to figure that out. <laughs> yeah. My brother was like a, a blooming attorney in Atlanta and like going through law school, <laughs> getting married. And my parents were like, what are you, you're obsessed with this rock climbing thing, son. You need to get it together. And I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, I just don't know. <laughs> that girl's not coming back to the gym, son. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> Move on. So I was in Atlanta for a while and mostly there just because I was really amped on rock climbing. And a few years ago, I started to kind of pursue some USA climbing certifications and traveling to set a little bit. And I realized, dang, I'm really psyched on this and yeah. kind of breaking out of this, this bubble that I was in in Atlanta. Yeah. Kind of put a light bulb off in my head and got amped. And before I know it, I moved to Nashville to take a headsetting gig for two gyms and now I'm here sitting in St. Louis and traveling and trying to do all I can to connect with people and do cool stuff. Yeah. How often do you travel to set? Um, you know, it, for the last few years, it wasn't hardly at all, but <clears throat> last year I left for probably three or four weeks to travel. A couple weeks ago, I set for Sport Open Nationals in Denver. I'm here this week in St. Louis. Uh, for the So Ill Showdown. For the so Ill Showdown. Yeah. I'm going to judge the Setter Showdown, next Setter Showdown coming up in Orlando. And you've won a Setter Showdown, right? Yeah, I won the last Setter Showdown I participated in. in Is that in Austin? Austin, yep, exactly. You also won in Lexington, right? I I actually won many categories in Lexington, but I got okay. second overall. Gotcha. I cheated a little bit. I used a hold I wasn't given so I got docked some points <laughs> <laughs> like whatever this is going to be rad I'm going to do it anyways <laughs> cost me the victory but that's cool um, so I got I'm going to be judging another one of those events coming up in Destin and maybe I'll go set a divisionals level youth event with John Unkst perhaps up north Cool. and I will be going to collegiate nationals in San Diego late next month so Oh, nice. More increasingly, I'm traveling more and more, which is awesome and motivating and a very learning experience. But whew, some hard, would be nice. Is it hard on your rock climbing? Yeah. So I was talking to some guys at breakfast this morning about that, actually. Spring's kind of not the rock climbing season for me anymore. Yeah. It's comp rock, season. Yeah. It gets put on the back burner a little bit. You know, when I was in Denver a couple weeks ago, we set eight total routes for the comp, and I foran like five of them, bolt right. to bolt, basically. Yeah, that's not conducive for fitness <laughs> or psych <laughs> or anything, <laughs> you know. And uh, now I'm here, and I have no skin left after the last couple of days of foraning. So, kind of focus on other things that motivate me a little bit, which is good to take breaks. I've been climbing for twelve years now, so the hiatus is okay yeah let's let's dig into that a little bit because i get a, a fair amount of questions from setters who are like i really want to train 
I really want to progress, but setting takes such a toll on my body that I really can't get any high-quality training in without hurting myself. Yeah, no doubt. So, you know, let's let's talk about it. Do you have any any general thoughts on that? And do you have, you know, a, a schedule you live by roughly? You know, it, I mean, you have to keep up with your girlfriend who's stronger than you. So, <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's the only reason I'm still in the game, really, fighting for my life. Um, you know, it goes back and forth. I would say the most limiting factor in training as a route setter would be skin, for sure. From all the forerunning? Yeah, absolutely. Setting, forerunning, uh, setting as a full time route setter, especially. Mm -hmm. You know, you're just in a perpetual state of thin skin. Mm -hmm. Even on the weekends when you're climbing, you know, sometimes you might be 10, 20, 30 days on without much rest and you try and, <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, cool, my rest day today, I'm going to climb like a few 510s, but still, you never get fully recovered. It's like climbing 510s, jugging a rope, hauling up a bucket, yeah. touching <laughs> right. holds. Like, yeah. I try and, t I try and, t when people are asking what route setting is like, I'm, I'm like, it's kind of like painting a picture or doing some art, but the whole time you're, doing crunches as well <laughs> <laughs> like crossfit you know and then you're so you're doing the sweet painting that someone's making you do and you're getting wrecked and somebody's going to judge you on it <laughs> and tell you that it sucks you're like, oh, cool. thanks for that uh so skin is limiting of course being on a rope or up and down ladders all day is limiting i found that for me the most important thing in staying psyched is having a like a goal in mind um, a route setting goal or an outdoor an climbing goal? Outdoor climbing goal. Okay. For instance, I've been, I turned 30 last year and I'm, I think I'm in an early midlife crisis for many reasons. Yeah, I went through one right around 30, I think. Yeah. It lasted like 45 minutes or an hour, but I'm fairly sure it was a <laughs> midlife crisis. And anybody older than me is like <laughs> scoffing for saying this for sure. But yeah, I, yeah. I saw 30, like age 30 on paper for the first time and I was like, oh. <laughs> it doesn't help when you got all these strong young kids like running around doing everything easily you yeah know? yeah but so I, I came to this realization that i have these life list goals whether it's traveling places or doing certain routes yeah i started thinking what am i doing to achieve these things so the first on the list was tom and jerry in france last summer mm -hmm. and which the most amazing photo in the history of rock climbing came from, by the way. <laughs> that keeps coming up, and I'm actually really surprised at how well circulated that photo has become. That was on my 30th birthday, actually. Oh, sick. Yeah. So, uh, my girlfriend Kim tossed a, for nobody that's seen this picture, tossed a baguette across the void. Wait, really? Yeah, she like wrapped over the edge. I had tied this baguette onto a piece of accessory cord and clipped it to her harness. <laughs> and I was hanging there on the bowl right before the crux and she tosses it to me and I caught it. And she's like basically crying the whole time because she's hanging way up above the Verdon Gorge, you know. Um, and she snapped this picture with her iPhone. So anyways, cool picture. <laughs> I don't know. I think where I, I might need that photo for the cover of this. <laughs> you got it. Use it all you want. <laughs> oh man, that makes it so much better. I totally thought you like climbed with like a second chalk bag, like a baguette chalk bag <laughs> a or baguette something. Baguette bag. Baguette bag. Or in my mouth would have been good too. <laughs> that would have. Yeah. Um, so mm. that I went over there in September and that basically kept me psyched through all last summer. Um, and coming back, I haven't really the next thing on the mind is there's not much, and it's actually been a little bit wah, wah, since then. Haven't been yeah. training as much, been working, like I was saying. Yep. But whenever there's something outside to keep me motivated, that's what helps the most. Yeah, and sometimes I think you have to, you know, if you want to progress in your career, you know, and what you're doing, then you have to focus on that for a little while. And I don't think that's a bad thing. You know, we can't all just be one-dimensional rock climbers, so... Some of us try to be. Yeah, we try. You know, but. <laughs> it sounds great. Yeah. But I think in reality, we all need other things to, to focus on now and then. And, you know, I mean, you, you reached the pinnacle of, of climbing when you shot that photo. It's all downhill from there anyway. Yeah. Sending the route didn't actually matter. No. You really could have just left the second you had that yeah. photo. I could maybe get some nice southern classics in with a piece of fried chicken in my mouth or something. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's I think being a route setter in, in terms of fitness and motivation is both, the bless, both a blessing and a curse because 
why you can't train, you know, you can't rest and recover and then give max effort and repeat that over and over again, it does maintain a certain baseline level of fitness. Yeah. Um, and as long as you can ward off injury and stay healthy, then I think that's a really good thing. You know, yeah, I, I, I'm super blessed to be working in a job where I'm healthy and fit and yeah, totally not sitting behind a desk all day. And I try, um, I'm very aware that everybody on my route setting crew is psyched on climbing and they're psyched on setting and the smallest injury can set, you know, our whole lifestyle back, you know, career, hobby, everything. So how do you mitigate that? Is there, you know, well for my, it's easier for myself cause I'm in charge. Right. <laughs> but I try and be fair for everybody. <laughs> yeah, sure, like hopefully. my elbow hurts a little bit. Hopefully uh, my you guys do this. Setting crew doesn't listen too much to this. No, <laughs> but, um, <clears throat> definitely try and keep lines of communication very open with my setting crew and myself and listen to them and I'm creating the schedule every week and give them easier days when they need it harder days when I think they can handle it days off when they're psyched to go climbing yeah because I've seen so many climbers so many route setters burn out sure in the biz that I want I've been fortunate somehow to stay psyched for several years of route setting and I want the same for these guys for sure and I think for them and protecting them in that way sometimes I kind of throw myself in a little bit more and I pick up some of slack and the forerunning and the extra leg work I think that's what a leader does in all situations yeah if they're a good leader well it's gonna be difficult when you don't feel like climbing but (laughs) neither does anybody else so sometimes you take one for the team yep it's it's hard, you know, but also they're like 22, so <laughs> <laughs> they, can, they can handle it. Your elbows will heal. Yeah. You just take it. Yeah. <clears throat> we just keep the, the gym stock of ibuprofen like full. Yeah, yeah. no doubt. Yeah. It's actually in your setting bucket. You've got all your <laughs> sizes of bolts and then just ibuprofen. For sure. Actually, that is pretty instrumental in climbing for route setting. And I don't condone this activity at all, but <laughs> I'd never take meds for injury i don't think that's a great idea but i take it pretty consistently for skin oh for sure yeah, yeah. i know plenty of guys you do skin pain just so i can keep hangboarding or campusing or do whatever i need to do mm. and not want to cry you sure know? <laughs> yeah uh, but in training for route setting you know days before work if you're motivated getting in early goes a long way for even a campus sesh or a hangboard sesh yep but whew, it's not worth the risk if you got a big route setting week and injuries on the table you know yeah 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 for sure i have no answers for you chris no i think you did answer actually (laughs) i think that's i think those are that's good advice you know i think what you're saying is be aware of you know what what's going on with your body and you know if you need easier days try to take easier days and instead of just pushing hard all the damn time which is what a lot of us tend to do You, you know exactly for years i remember being a psyched younger rock climber and I remember hearing this Sharma quote. So he said something like, I never climbed a day in my life when it wasn't fun or something yeah, like that. Yeah. You know, if I'm not having fun, I'm not doing it. Yep. I'm not going to climb or train that day or anything. And I was like, ah, oh, no, screw that. I'm in it. Like, this is how you do it. But I don't know. I guess the older or more mature I get, I realize it's really important because if we don't listen to our bodies, then we're not going to be doing this for a long time. And that's why I do this sport because I can do it for the rest of my life. And as a, as somebody whose career is route setting is even more important because then your hobby and your job is kind of on the line. Two passions rolled up into one big ball of injury. <laughs> one <laughs> ibuprofen and tendonitis. <laughs> one big ball of ibuprofen. <clears throat> yeah, and that's what we're all looking for, you know, is to kind of roll our passions up into our, our one life, you know, and make it all work together. So I think that's cool. And I think that's good advice. Um, do you set for yourself? Um, <clears throat> you know, it depends. That kind of goes back to that question about training and what I'm psyched on. If I'm motivated and I have some sort of objective in mind, then yeah, I'll set some stuff either, whether it's r- boulders that I know will be good for four by fours or mm-hmm. routes for endurance or specific moves I want to simulate. Yes, but... That's also tricky because 
it's my job to set for everybody else. Sure, sure. You know, so. Um, well, I know a lot of our, you know, a lot of our listeners have home walls and, you know, I've, I've set for myself and my friends before and, and I think it's really, really difficult. One of the things that everyone bumps up against is trying to set just above your limit, but not have it feel completely impossible or ridiculous, you know? And I think that's a really tough place to get to. You have any thoughts or ideas on how to do that? Ooh, on how? That's tough. I know this sure. is a nebulous kind of obtuse Sorry, we'll, idea, we'll but... I'll do my best. Yeah. I could share a story. This is not answering your question really at all, but I was... when I was a in, good story then. <laughs> but maybe not. We'll see. <laughs> um, when I was in move at Movement Denver setting for Sport Open a couple weeks ago, it was funny because the gym was open while we were setting these routes. So you'd hear the Movement customers kind of just talking, the peanut gallery over on the sideline. Uh-huh. They're definitely not going to ask you. You're like two feet away. They're not going to ask you what's going on, but they're just <laughs> right. going to go ahead and make their assumptions. <laughs> and, but every once in a while, you will engage them. And the question is always, well, first of all, they think the routes are all like 511, 512, right? And they're like 14 minus routes. Sure. Then they say, well, how, how do you set routes that you can't climb? And, yeah. and we're like, well, actually, some of us here on the route setting crew are actually very good rock climbers, and we can climb them. And then they're like, well, why, what, why aren't, why aren't you competing? Like, what? <laughs> they, they can't process. There's, there's this, not this disconnect between route. There is this disconnect between route setting and, and route climbing that they just can't. Yep. They don't know how we could set for the best climbers in the world. Yeah. Like, not like the route setters have never actually climbed. They don't know what they're Absolutely. talking about. Yeah. So we, I get that question a lot, actually. You know, how do you set climbs? above your limit and that's one of the indications of being a good route setter i think is your ability to do that consistently and accurately mm-hmm. like i think anybody here or anybody listening could put a rock climb on the wall that is really hard sure. that's not the yeah. goal right it's, <laughs> right it's accomplishing something with that it's either hitting a grade or doing it in a style or you know at a at a big comp it's separating a field of climbers that climb over a number harder than you based on individual moves right right so that's something that i try and teach my route setters for sure and the only way to do that is for them is to practice that so while sometimes it might be more legwork for me tweaking maybe a v9 boulder that a v6 or 7 climber has set it's really important and i see them improving drastically they're doing a great job so whereas before if they're climbing V6 and I ask them to set a V8, it could be who knows where, you know, on the scale and it could be of any quality, but now they're pretty good at it. And what's, what's the process you go through when you're tweaking? Are you talking to them about it? And yeah, for sure. So, you know, this all depends on the schedule of the day. And if we have time, my, I love to go through every move with them basically, or the, the whole process, right? Step number one is try and understand what they're thinking, what they're trying to accomplish with the boulder problem or the route. You know, what do you want to do here? And then it's basically just one move at a time from the start, you know, making one move at, at a time work. Make, so it's, make sure it's not cheatable. Make sure it hits the grade. And most of that is, I don't know how much of that gets through to them, you know, but once they start climbing on it and once they start climbing on difficult climbs that other strong climbers have set, that's when they learn a lot. You know, they start to be able to hold body positions and understand what's possible or not do moves, but understand how it could be done. And right. That would be my recommendation for, if possible, anybody with home walls is to find a strong buddy, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, that's, <laughs> In practice, I think that's huge. For sure. But also, you know, how many times have any of us been on a rock climb and been, been unable to do moves initially right. and then eventually done the climb yeah right so it's very easy even for an experienced route setter such as myself to go to set a hard climb and immediately try and dumb it down because it feels too hard but having a little bit of belief that you're going to get stronger your muscles are going to learn the move and you'll eventually be able to do it goes a long way so you just got to kind of test the waters and push the boundaries of what you think is possible put something on the wall that's harder than you think that you think is cool leave it there Yeah. You know, and sometimes the slightest two degree turn can make all the difference in the world. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's good advice too. I think 
not putting the holds in the exact orientation you think you should be grabbing them, mm-hmm. I think can make a huge difference. And oftentimes climbers look to hands to correct sequences or make climbs a certain way. You know, I encourage people to look to their feet yeah. because then they're going to learn more about body position and movement and technique that way for sure. Yep. You know, move the feet around. That goes <laughs> a long way. Make them different difficulty, good feet, bad feet. Yep. Yeah, I did an interview with Chris Danielson years ago on my blog. Oh, man, don't tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> it was on a blog. It wasn't wasn't the podcast. So People actually have to read, which is tough for people these days. <laughs> but he, he said something I thought was pretty cool. I had sort of always shied away from, you know, sideways traveling problems. But he said that's a really great way to introduce harder foot moves because people don't get to track, you know, and you can keep little tiny feet on when you're traveling sideways on a problem which i think is super interesting super cool idea yeah totally so and you know i think also maybe a a setter at a home walk and look at there's so many climbing videos even indoor climbing videos online right now oh yeah mimic stuff yeah you know Mm -hmm. like try and recreate stuff that you've seen Mm -hmm. and yeah you can even try to recreate outdoor problems absolutely I've, i've seen that quite a bit one of my favorite indoor problems was an attempt at a recreation of black lung Nice. on our on the wall in the gym and one of my favorite indoor problems i've ever climbed on it was amazing that can be tricky yeah Recre- simulators yeah. oh for yep. sure yeah mm-hmm. i found that it's easy for me i think some rosters are really great at creating simulators mm-hmm. it's easier for me to be inspired by outdoor rock climbs than to try and recreate them because yep. inevitably i i'm trying to recreate something beautiful and natural right with some pink plastic holds you know well, the, the reason it worked for me is because I wasn't comparing it to the real black lung. Mm. Like, I've never even seen the real <laughs> black lung. So that he put it up as a simulator or inspired by it, then I just got to climb on it without the comparison. So nice. that was kind of nice. That's funny because I experienced the white lung every day of my life. Is that at all related? <laughs> <laughs> I think it is. That's, that's the gym version of yeah. black lung. Um, so I've set for a bunch of different gyms and with a bunch of different crews. And I feel like every single place I go to, there's a different interaction between setters. Um, how do you, how do you feel like you cultivate like teamwork with setting? Cause I feel like that's something that I've noticed some, like some crews I've set with and it's like, man, this is amazing. Like everyone's just working together and you go sometimes and it's just every single person does their own thing and it's just a little bit hectic. It can be all over the place. But so for other people who either run a setting crew or they work with setting crew, like they, they are setters, like what do you think has helped the most to yeah, have a good cohesive group? That's a good question. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, for me, I think a lot of it takes place during the setting day. Um, we put a lot of emphasis in the forming process. Like that's almost half of our day doing that whereas and you're all four running together all four running together and assuming we haven't set a really large quantity of boulders or routes i make sure i'm climbing on all of them everybody else is climbing on everybody's um and i try my hardest to keep feedback open and positive and constructive um and accept it as well you know i think that i have the most experience of anybody on my setting crew so i'm giving a lot of feedback mm-hmm. sure and, but it's also important that I receive that well. And yep. that can be hard to like facilitate, right? Yeah. Not only be coming from somebody who doesn't have as much experience, giving somebody with experience feedback, but also giving your boss feedback can be touchy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you have to cultivate the openness there, like make so, them able to talk to you that way. Absolutely. And I think step one is like, is criticizing your own boulders sometimes or like yep. tweaking them, being willing to change them and showing that if one of my setters has a suggestion, maybe I agree, maybe I don't, but I view everybody's suggestions as valid. And sometimes I like, I make that change, you know, because they think that's going to be a good idea. Now, yesterday, actually, one of the setters on the crew at the showdown was asking about my experience and how I got to where I was. And I certainly don't think I've arrived anywhere by any means. I should I should say that for sure. Okay. Uh, but he said, man, I've, you know, of other setters at your level, I've seen set and I've worked with, I, 
I'm not sure what he said, but he said something about me calling my own boulder shitty. He's like, I haven't seen anybody do that before. <laughs> I said this boulder, I was like, man, that boulder looks like a turd. But uh, he's like, I just really appreciated that, you know, like kind of made yeah. it feel like this is all down to earth. Yeah, you're like, able to be critical humble. of your own work. And yeah, for sure. And I think being critical of your own work is important. Yeah. Um, so fostering teamwork in a forwarding process is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that many gyms take group outings you know i try and you know get everybody out to dinner once every once in a while or go climbing together every once in a while and extend that relationship beyond just the work environment but yeah into the other passion that we all share which is outdoor rock climbing um i think that relationships and teamwork can quickly de- deteriorate if you're not managing properly and effectively and you're being too harsh mm-hmm. or overbearing and I try and keep things light and that has its drawbacks as well. You know, like I don't sure. run the tightest ship ever, Yep. but I like to think that I run a fun <laughs> ship. Yeah. <laughs> like a party ship of some kind. Relatively light party ship. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I think that <sighs> while we might not have the most organized setter closet or the most structured program, we do some really quality work and we're yeah. all happy to be there and I think we'll be doing it for a long time. Nice. Now, if you do a podcast with one of my setters, Hopefully they say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get all their feedback before yeah. I put this yeah, out. Should. That'll be so nice that we can decide community. whether you're you're actually a good boss or not. Yeah. Little sound bites in there. John sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds too like you're almost approaching it less like a manager's standpoint, more kind of like a mentorship. You know, I was really fortunate when I moved from Atlanta to Nashville. I could have assumed a headsetter position or even a rousetter position at another gym and that could have been met with experienced setters and it was hard for me to fit in or maybe they would have a harder time respecting any authority that I might give. Um, but my crew was eager to learn and they were younger and they were younger route setters and I was I'm so fortunate to have been handed it that way, right? Yeah. And I also work for a gym whose management uh, allows me to kind of run things as I see fit and how I see best. So I'm in a great situation in Nashville. I came from Atlanta where for years I sat with a bunch of V14 rock climbers. You know, if I had moved to Nashville <laughs> and I tried to tell them what to do, that would have been a little bit different. So I think they have a lot to learn and they're coming up and they're doing a great job and um, as much as it's a learning process for them, it really benefits me to learn how to teach people. And yeah, you know. yeah, and it's cool that you, as the boss, go into it as a learning situation for you too. You know, I think that's really important. You know, when I was trying to decide if I should move to Nashville or not, I talked with somebody to seek his advice about you know if I should make this move or not, and he's like, "Man, if you want to be a headsetter, whether it's in Nashville or." some larger gym somewhere else, it's important that you take this step because you're going to learn all the things you got to do right and you got to learn all the things you're going to do wrong too. Yeah, You know, mistakes are a big part of the process and I've made plenty of them, right? Yeah. Whether it's getting a little hot-headed because I'm really tired and my skin hurts and I just (laughs) pour in this boulder and I didn't like it very much or, you know, who knows what, all kinds of things. Yep. Um, So I learn every day and just like they do. And... I hope they see it as this collective effort to we're all trying to improve upon. And uh, you can only hope for the best, man. Yeah. You know? you know, something I really appreciate is the the amount of feedback that you talk about, you know, giving it and accepting it and making it just an integral part of the process. Because one of the things I saw at the showdown in Lexington, um, the Setter Showdown, was that I saw and I was impressed with was after the showdown, Louis said, Louis Anderson said, you know, we can go one by one through your problems and critique your work if you want to do it. You know, if you, if you setters want to stay afterward, talk to me, we can go one by one. And so many people stayed when he was first saying that I was like, nobody's going to do this. (laughs) Everybody is out of here, you know? all kinds of people stayed and I was really, really impressed by that. Yeah. So I think it's a huge part of the learning process. Well, I think, yeah, anybody that's passionate about route setting and especially the kind of route setters that Setter Showdown would draw, like they're motivated. Um, 
they want to see improvement. They want to network. You know, they've traveled there. You got to be receptive to feedback. It's the second you stop being receptive to feedback or you see yourself as too good to receive it or maybe you think, oh man, I, I got all the tools I need. You're not evolving as a setter and that's the same kind of ego and route setting that you see in rock climbing that nobody likes being around. Mm-hmm. Do you have any instances talking about learning and being open to that kind of feedback? Have you ever watched um, you know, a Daniel Woods or someone like that on one of your problems and something happens that you totally didn't expect or that you feel like, uh-oh, I might have failed <laughs> yeah, at this. For sure. You know, and then how do you how do you move from that? What do you learn from those situations? You know, I set for when I was setting for nationals a couple weeks ago and open nationals last year, between the qualifiers, semifinals and finals rounds, there's always you hope for the best. But yeah. it's almost like gambling in a way. You're like, I don't know these people personally. I see them climb once a year. They climb a lot harder than me. I'm taking these risks. Oh, we got a lawnmower over there. <laughs> yeah. We might have to take a little break here. How about we move this inside and continue the conversation there? Sounds good to me. Cool with you? Yeah. Okay. Let's take a break. Break. What's up, everybody? Chris here. Pardon the interruption. I'll keep this short and sweet. Since this podcast started taking off and we've been growing it, you guys have been asking how you can help out. I've got three ways for you. Number one, you can become a patron. That just means you give a monthly donation to the podcast, a dollar and up, and you get something in return. And you can check out what those rewards are at patreon.com slash powercompanypodcast. Best of all, we'll keep it sponsor and commercial free for you. Number two, you can rate us and review us on iTunes. I know it's a pain in the ass to go to iTunes and do all that, but it really helps us out. At least that's what I'm told by the podcast powers that be. And number three, perhaps the easiest way and the best way to help us out is to share us on your social medias. Anytime you see us post up a new podcast, please share it with your friends. Tag people who will really appreciate it or who need to hear the advice that we're giving. All right. Thank you, guys. And back to the show. Okay. We have returned. Uh, The lawnmower forced us inside, and now we're in Jonathan's natural habitat anyway. (laughs) So he's going to get more comfortable now. But uh, so we were talking about Daniel Woods or whomever crushing the shit out of your problems and you having to learn from that. So, you know, actually, I feel like most of my experiences have been with making the climbs too difficult than too easy. Okay. Yeah. I think that going into setting for elite level climbers like that, I know that they're going to tear it up, right? Right. So the last thing I want to do is just see everybody just take down my boulder or my route. Right. And not get, from a competitive standpoint, not get any of the results that we want. Yep. So if anything ever happens, they end up being too difficult. Um, Mm -hmm. For this last Nationals, I was assigned some, I was primarily working on the women's routes, Mm -hmm. which for me, I was really, really excited about. And there's equally strong guys and gals competing. But when setting for the women, there's, I feel like there's so much more to think about. You have sizes, reach, um, greater discrepancies in styles, you know, a wider range of abilities in the field, perhaps. Um, so I really like the challenge that presented and things like, oh man, this section of the climb ended up being way too heady into a section that was way too difficult. I know they're all capable of doing it, but it was just too much for them right now. Or that move was too powerful that late in the climb, things like that. You know, right. you start to log little bits of information on, okay, I'll use that bit in the future, I'll use that then. But what I've learned is almost every time something goes not exactly according to plan, I kind of knew it in my gut going into it. Maybe I pushed it back down or didn't acknowledge it, but you kind of listen to your instincts in a way. And yeah. you can easily get sucked into, oh, this is going to be cool. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. <laughs> right or this right. looks rad. It's going to be sweet. It's yeah, not a big deal. They'll do it. Move. Yeah. Yep. Um, and that's what you got to be careful of as a route setter, I think. 
Yeah. Yeah. But I think of so. Of course, you learn something every time somebody does or doesn't does your doesn't do your climb. And it doesn't have to be Daniel Woods. It can be this dude yeah, or in the gym climbing a V6 that yeah. you thought was hard. You know, the other day I was setting this climb in a corner with my buddy and or one of my route setters, and it was this weird mantle boulder. It took us an hour to do, but yeah. we were really psyched on it. We eventually both did it, and in our little grade guide, we put V2 on it as a joke. Uh-huh. And sure enough, we opened up the section of wall and like three guys just bam, 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 first try each of them, you know? So it, it doesn't have to be Daniel Woods to teach you something about your route setting. Yeah, yeah, totally. You just mentioned um, that you were, you know, doing the women's routes. Do you take your experience with Kim, watching Kim climb or climbing with Kim <laughs> into that at all? Oh, I gotta be, I can't drag her too much into this. <laughs> Listen, um, you know, no, I don't actually. Um, <clears throat> she is an exceptional climber outdoors. Yeah. And she's a very great climber indoors, but she is not of the competition mindset at all. Gotcha. Um, you know, certainly she shares in some of the same styles as some of the other women that are climbing, but... She's not a prolific on-site climber. Mm-hmm. You know, she's she's not great at comp-style moves, jumping around, things like that. So, not too much. Um, yeah, I think I think more what I was asking was like, I know that you you and I talked really briefly yesterday about coaching your significant other and <laughs> the challenges of that, which are uh, many. Um, They're blessings too, Kim. and uh so what i'm you know like watching kim climb or any other girl climb for that matter and learning the spatial relationship between holds and you know for some guys i've seen this happen so many times where guys like oh you just go from here to here and he's telling the beta to some (laughs) four foot eleven girl you know and she's like you cannot give me beta anymore sure it doesn't work that way but i think as coaches nate and i have gotten better at it and i imagine as a setter and as a coach yourself that you absorb that and can see the relationship you know, the distance relationship between holds better because you've watched all these people. No doubt. Absolutely. You know, the more time I spend watching women or men, the yep. more I learn about their size, their ability, their strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. For sure. And I totally, like our men's and women's routes a couple weeks ago were set completely differently because we had different genders in mind, you know? And while I'm sure that some of the women could have done the men's routes and vice versa, that's not so universal across the field. Right. Right. Of course, you have five, 15, 14 plus climbers like Margot and Ashima mm-hmm. who can take down a lot of hard stuff in a lot of different styles, but right. they're like the sub 1% of sure. that field. Sure. And I think that's where you'd run into issues with separating people. Right. You know, what might be a stopper move for women, for like guys who are just used to like more powerful moves or just being large, like being taller, totally like, wouldn't be as low as, of a percentage move. But you know, it also the same discussion we're having about women right now applies to men. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, mm-hmm. You have look at Kai. Yeah, his wingspan is enormous. Yeah, and, and he's, he's got so, huge like, crazy hands, flexible. and he's flexible. So it's like, oh, well, I can just put this bunchy move here that'll be challenging for Kai. Well, he just gets his mm-hmm. foot above his hand, and yeah, it's not yeah. an issue. Yep. Um. So. There's certainly things to think about in all categories. And that's sure. what's fun mm-hmm. about what we're doing, you know, is you put the stuff on the wall and you use all your experience and your knowledge to do it and you cross your fingers and you just sit back and watch. And sometimes it doesn't go as according to plan, but sometimes it pays off and you nail it and it's so rewarding. Yeah, cool. Um, this is something I used to, in response to all those people who are like, you know, it's just too reachy, which I think happens a lot. And um, this is something I used to preach quite a bit. And I'm just curious to get your opinion on it. Um, we had a setter at our gym named Corey. I don't know if you've ever met Corey. Um, super tall, uh, good setter. And 
he would often set in the harder grades, you know, once he got to where his grades were difficult for him, he would set really reachy moves. Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of people would complain, you know, that the moves are just too reachy. And for me, I'm like, this is a great opportunity. Sure. You know, because I get to practice these big giant moves that I'm not good at. And, and that happens outside, mm -hmm. you know, so he didn't always set that way. But I found it to be a opportunity for me. Sure, that's. I'd say in outdoor climbing, I maintain this philosophy less so as a head route setter because I don't think it's a safe thing to do. Um, but I remember reading this Megos Alex Megos quote one time, and he said something along the lines of, "There's no dry, too humid, too crimpy, too tired, yeah, 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 too reachy. There's only too weak." Yep. Right, and I can't, yep. I can't, if I ever said that to a customer coming up to me being like, that moves too long, I'd be like, no, you're just weak. <laughs> that would not, I'm not doing my job very well, right? Yeah. Um, and it's it's totally challenging. The three, myself included, the three full-time guys on our setting crew are all over six feet. Um, so it's a constant struggle for all of us mm -hmm. to set with the vertically challenged in mind. Right. Like, the normal always working mind. on it and no matter how much we work on it and we think we nail it we see a short person it's still just maxed out right yeah totally um so it's you'd love for everyone to have this mindset that is the challenge and uh, you know i climbed with i spent five years climbing and setting with brad weaver in atlanta right and he's short and yep. has a negative ape index right and i'm not lying to you i've never seen a move set in there that he wasn't able to do or span or figure out some way to do it. And that's even when we were sitting with Brian Voges, who was a monster. Yeah. He's a giant, yeah. right? Yeah. So for sure, I'd love, just as I say, take the grades as a guide, I'd love mm -hmm. to be like, take it as a challenge. <clears throat> but in the commercial setting, it's not all about even progressing. It's about recreating. And yep. yeah, for sure. People want to find success in your business needs to be successful. And for that mm -hmm. to happen, people need to feel accomplished when they walk in and have some reason to come back. And if they're just constantly getting shut down or not to the top of a route or a boulder problem, then we're not doing a good job. It's like yep. making a bunch of clothes for a retail shop that are all too small or too big. Right, right, You're not right. going to sell them, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a good note for our listeners to keep in mind when they're in the gym and they're cursing the setters. <laughs> you know, it's it's not... It's not all about you. It's about running the business and keeping the customers happy and you're the only one customer. Sure. You know, so. And I think you have different gyms. Some gyms, clientele, you hear, you hear most of the feedback from rock climbers. Right. Um, and they're like, oh, this is too easy or too basic or too this or too that. Mm -hmm. um, other gyms, it's more, you know, entry-level climbers. It's more of a commercial setting and they think, oh, this is too hard or not fun, things like that, because it's more, right. you're setting real rock climbs. And yep. It's a balance. You just got to listen to who you're serving and do the best you can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and everyone climbs for different reasons too. You know, some people, they may just want to go to a climbing gym because they just got off work and, you know, they want to get rid of some stress. You know, they don't want to sit and have to deal with some shenanigan challenge. Like, <laughs> yeah. they just want to go. I don't want like to a World Cup today. boulder at forty feet on a route. <laughs> exactly. Like, not trying to deck into a volume. <laughs> like halfway up a route, it's like I just want to go in and have fun. Yep. You know. Yeah. So it totally makes sense to you know you cater to all those people if that's who your clientele is. Sure. Yep. I have a question for you. So. I, uh, a lot like we were talking about with the, the height challenge and, or the distance between holds challenge. Um, whenever I'm in the gym with a bunch of people, uh, and everybody's like, oh, that problem's just awkward. It's stupid. Mm -hmm. You know, my response is always, or maybe you just lack the requisite skill to make it not awkward. Sure. You know, and I try to apply that to myself as well. Um, how often do you purposely, or do you ever purposely make, you know, put the footholds in the wrong place, quote unquote, <laughs> you know, to just to make a problem awkward because it happens outside. So, you know, that's, I feel like I'm going to get lured into a trap here. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a trap. I would say, I would say I, I do it 
but I don't think of it as putting it in the wrong place. Sure, sure. Right? And that's yeah, why. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. And I, I'm the same way. It's like the more I route set and the more I climb, the more it becomes a challenge. You know, you want right. everything. Sure, it'd be nice if everything was really comfortable and the feet were where you want it. But yeah. is that making you a better rock climber? Probably not as much. Um, as I have been route setting for since like 2006 or seven. I don't know how many boulders I've set, you mm -hmm. know, and there's plenty of setters that have set a lot more than me, but it's a lot. Right. And you get in ruts in setting, just like you get in ruts in climbing. Um, and one of the ways I try and kind of get out of that rut or break the mold of what I typically do is I'll look, I'll go to set a move and I'll look to what I normally do. Maybe I'm going to go to this Gaston and put a foot over here to oppose it. And I'm just going to put that foot in a different spot. Mm -hmm. uh, than what I would go to immediately Yep. and see what works. I, I'm not going to say I'm going to put it in a different spot and that's going to be the boulder, but right, I'm going right. to see where that leads me, right? Sure. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something funky and maybe it goes, maybe it doesn't. And um, hopefully it'll inspire something new or it'll unlock a door that I, I didn't... Sounds cheesy. Didn't have a key to in the first place. I just <laughs> led myself right down there. I, I wish I could take that one. Jonathan back. was reading that out of a notepad. <laughs> by the way, he's been working on it. Way more philosophical than I thought. <laughs> I get in front of a mic more often. Yeah, I think that's good advice too. Just you know, sort of cross off your first instinct and see if any other any other thing can work and what comes from it. And I would encourage climbers and gyms. To be aware that you know route setters are testing themselves too and i know a lot of route setters that are exceptional route setters and they can put up a four out of five star climb every single time on the wall right mm -hmm. you know for good or bad i don't know i've always been more of the route setter that will aim for that five star climb but end up with a two-star climb on occasion sure right and i think that to grow as a route setter you got to try new things you got to test things out and hopefully in the forwarding process you correct things and you weed those less quality climbs out and you bring them back up to a good average yep um but there's no way we can develop as route setters and offer customers something new if we're not trying new things so customers need to understand that and hopefully try new things as well but challenging to get that message across yeah yeah you got anything else nate no yeah i think you've pretty much covered the entire spectrum of i mean this is the definitive guide right here <laughs> send it back to chris danielson <laughs> <laughs> don't do that sorry chris <laughs> awesome well thanks man i appreciate it and yeah, this was great cool glad glad to join this nice afternoon indoors now with you <laughs> all right thanks you guys it's really interesting for me to hear the perspective uh, from the route setters point of view um, especially you know trying to satisfy your own needs and the needs of a commercial gym and also running this route setting crew that Jonathan runs I think it's it's really important, I believe, uh, that to take that that learning, uh, always a student point of view that Jonathan seems to really hold on to, and and he obviously is doing a good job with it. Um, so, you know, I think we can all take quite a few lessons from this, whether it's how we approach going into the commercial gym and how we look at the problems and how we decide whether or not to blame the setters like a lot of us do um, or whether you're setting in your own space which I'm actually taking a break from setting on my own woody right now um, the initial set which will probably be the only set that ever happens on it and um, in the machine shop here in Lander so come and visit um, and it, you know I'm going to take a lot of the lessons that we talked about into our set today um, and definitely when I visit all the commercial gyms around the country that we go to so I appreciate the route setters I appreciate what you guys are doing um, again 
if you're looking for a job as a route setter, hit up Jonathan. He's going to be hiring. Uh, that's Jonathan at ClimbNashville.com. They've got two gyms opening in the next year. And definitely check out the Hotter Than Chicken bouldering competition. Again, I'll have links to Jonathan's email and to videos from the Hotter Than Chicken comp uh, in the show notes and on the blog. So go check those out. Um, Episode 71 is going to be two-year anniversary in just a couple of days. We're going to be talking about goals, Nate and I, in a board meeting. So I will see you guys then. And um, you should be seeing me quite a bit because I've been posting like crazy on the machine shop that's going on on the Instagrams. So if you are not following over there, you should be. You should be following us on the Facebook. We just went over 3,000 followers on there recently. We're looking for more this year, so go follow us on there. We're going to be doing some cool things on Facebook. And um, if you're a Pinterester, is that even a thing, a Pinterester, then follow us on there. You can look for us on the Twitters, but we don't tweet. We scream like eagles.